learn him was as easy as flashing valentines, but like a lady firefly that hit a secret call to die. The final touch unfinished, the last step a trap. Down, down he falls, his eyes still holding mine until they see another world. I saw them change, first a question, then an answer, finally an end, and love itself passing to whatever it was before it began. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Lit to Lens podcast, a safe place for folks who like the movie more than the book. We are recording this episode on July 17th, 2022, and today we are discussing where the crawdads sing. With me to talk about the adaptation is the crawdad kitchen, grits eating, and a sneaky fucker himself, Mr. Eric. Say hello to the people eat. Hello. Well, do you know we how long we've been doing this podcast? For 2016. Yeah. Uh, do you know that means we are married like the geese now? No, I didn't know that. Much like Kaya Clark and her Is that right? Lover Tate. It's been what, eight years? Yeah. So I think that's like a that's a geese marriage. Let's not let's take it slower than that. Okay. Oh, okay. I don't think we're ready for marriage, but Pardon me. I I, I do apologize if we slip into these <laughs> silky southern accents. Yeah. It's hard not to after reading this this here book. It's too fun. It's yeah, too much fun. I don't think we're very good at them. No, it's mildly. You're, you're probably better. I mean, you went to Clemson for like a couple of weeks, right? So, yeah, I took one class there. I went to an Italian class. You couldn't, you couldn't hack it. Yeah, it South. was like Southern Italian. It was didn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't hack it in the South. Yeah. Um, well, people, if you haven't heard, uh, we are discussing where the crawdads sing. Super, super popular book. Um, we both finished reading it this morning, so we are eager to uh, talk about it. We also watched the movie. I guess almost a week ago. So it's Monday night. Uh, free showing. The 11th. Yeah, free showing. Well, I guess not a free well, showing. Well, not really, sort of. You had to buy the book from Kramer's and then uh, drive all the way out to Tyson's or take the Metro as I did and then watch it. Um, so, yeah. So the b- books were each $19? 18 plus tax. Okay. So. so it was actually more expensive showing than like a normal ticket would cost. Well, it comes with... A book and a movie. So I guess like... And you get... A poster, a poster, a fan for a all fan. those hot July nights. <laughs> July. And uh, and a bookmark. A bookmark. Two bookmarks. I got a Kramer's well, bookmark yeah. and a Crawdad's bookmark. So the value, I mean, the value <laughs> yeah, is there. That's a good point. So. That's a good point. <laughs> um, so let's get into it. Some fast facts for you. The book written by Delia Owens, published in 2018. It has gone on to become one of the best-selling books of all time. It was selected to Reese Witherspoon's uh, Hello Sunshine Book Club, um, and she was also a producer in the film. And as of February of this year, it has spent over 150 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list, uh, which I believe is a record. Um, I could not confirm that online, but that is what uh, I heard in an interview. So is that longer than the Holy Bible? No, okay. no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Um, here we're talking about fiction. Okay, Holy Bible is nonfiction. That's a good okay, point. Sorry, that's a good point. <laughs> Uh, the movie released uh, this Friday, July 15th, 2022, um, directed by Olivia Newman, who has also directed uh, the film First Match for Netflix. Uh, screenplay was written by Lucy Alibar, who also helped on the screenplay for Beasts of the Southern Wild, an original Little Lens joint, um, starring Daisy Edgar-Jones, Taylor John Smith, Harris Dickinson, and David Strathairn. Uh, the film has grossed over $17 million, uh, so far in its opening weekend. And Rotten Tomato score of 30, 36% and Metacritic 44. So, um, not critically acclaimed. No. But um, interesting. I thought 36, 
I mean, we'll get into this later, but I thought 36 was relatively low for this, right? It feels low. 36 yeah. is like a bad film. Yeah. This didn't feel like a bad movie to me, but... No. I feel like this should be... A, the Metacritic feels truer. Like, yeah. 50-ish. 50-ish, yeah. Yeah. That's a, it feels about Like a right. flip of the coin. I wouldn't... Yeah. Anyways, we'll get into it more later. Eric, uh, do you want to give us a quick recap? Yeah, for, for the very few of you who haven't heard of or read this book, since it is... Uh, a worldwide sensation and on the bestseller list for 150 weeks. Um, abandoned as a girl, Kaya Clark has raised herself in the dangerous marshlands of North Carolina. For years, rumors of the Marsh Girl haunted Barkley Cove, isolating the sharp and resilient Kaya from her community. Drawn, however, to two young men from town, she opens herself to a new and startling world. Abuse, retribution, and the life cycles of the natural world feature prominently. Will, that is where the crawdads sing. Thank you for that quick recap. That is... Um a very good all-encompassing comprehensive recap is re- what is recap short for recapitula recapitulation no recapture probably okay i don't know just wondering yeah just curious why don't you pay attention like the first time you capture something then you have not the recap oh interesting right yeah uh, anything that's re is like you know just pay attention the first time you don't have to re- they don't recatch or recapture crawfish do they or crawdads they just catch them one time and then you're that good then you eat them yeah because they know, don't recapture it. Yeah. Or you fly them in from China. Yeah, well, of That's course. That's how you do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to play a quick game here before we move on called Two Truths, One Lie. I think everybody knows how it's played. Eric, are you ready? I'm ready. Number one, the novel has sold over 12 million copies worldwide. Number two, the studio uh, of the film uh, originally wanted Casey Musgraves to perform the title song because they thought her music was better would better resemble the country backwoods mood of the film better than who eventually did it, which was Taylor Swift. Um, and then number three, Delia Owens is wanted for questioning in a relation to a murder of a poacher in Zambia. Eric, do you know? I like these. I like these statements. Right off, like 12 million feels low, but the fact that it had sold over 12 million, I guess like could be any number. could have sold like 60. I don't know how much books like sell anymore. Mm-hmm. 12 million feels like a low number for what business insider calls the defining book of the decade um maybe so we'll see uh studio originally wanted casey musk that's i feel like this is probably our lie just because taylor swift because this movie and taylor swift exhibit such aggressive like fall girl energy Mm. there's a scene in the book and in the movie where just like this tornado of fallen like oak leaves spins and like a, a boy and a girl kiss within it that to me feels like a bit like Taylor Swiftian. There was also a scene where they were drinking pumpkin spice lattes. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I did. I thought that was a little like weird. I was <laughs> like, weird. this is set in like the 60s. <laughs> it's like weird product placement. Yeah. But and they were wearing like long, big scarves. And, yeah. Like, it's like, wow, boots. it's hot out. It's summertime. Yeah. It's weird. That was a confusing choice, but anyway, it's fine. Um, so I think I think that's probably, I, I, I say that's probably our lie only because, <laughs> Will, our internet sleuthing has uncovered the fact that uh delia owens i assume it's her unless it's her husband that's wanted for questioning because it's definitely her husband so this this could be one of your sneaky tricks i'm just you know you could be the sneaky one here um you can go into the backstory when i get this answer Mm -hmm. possibly wrong but part of the owens history is um as like advocates for anti-poaching measures in africa Mm -hmm. and all the like weird politics that come with uh come with that i suppose 
I'm going to say that Taylor Swift was the first choice and therefore your second statement is the lie. They did not want Casey Musgraves. They always wanted Taylor Swift. As much as it pains me to say, you are correct. Let's go. It was number two. The lie. You, you know, Taylor Swift is always the first choice. First choice, <laughs> yeah. you know. I thought I could get you there because I know Taylor Swift is not considered uh, country music by the Nashville, you know, country music, whatever. Yeah, she's pop now. She's rescinded her bona fides. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I thought maybe I could trick you with this. But no, no you were you were unfooled. You kept it together. You know, I'm I, I know the lists, you know. Taylor Swift is top on the list and then you have to go a couple of rungs Which down list? to get to the A list and you got to go a couple of rungs down to get to Casey Musgraves. Is Daisy Edgar Jones on the A list? No, she's not on the list. She's not on the list. You get on the list by doing this movie. That's how you get on the list. So now she's on the list. Now she's probably on the list. She's up up higher on the list maybe. Yeah, she, she was in the Under Banner of Heaven show that I think we've talked about oh, that's on right. this podcast before. Didn't get that many Emmy Emmy nominations only for Andrew Garfield. So you know, mm. maybe her star is not quite as a uh, blazing hot as we thought. Maybe one day. There you go. But okay, so talk talk through some of these. So yeah, so the novel has uh, sold twelve plus million uh, copies worldwide. Um, and I was looking at the list, and you know, the, the Bible is like in the billions. Like I think it's yeah. like ten billion or something like that. Um, so it's obviously not even close to that, but it's uh, considered one of the most best selling books of all time. That is wild. It's crazy. I was looking at it. I like. I had to stop because I was like, "There's like all these crazy books on here." Um, this book because this book is four years old, right? Yeah. So it's to be that. I think it sold five million in its first year, or something like that. Wild. Um, I'm sure they. And I'm sure they're gonna sell even more now that the movie's out. So, obviously, number two is a lie. So nothing to really talk about there. And then number three, Deli Owens is wanted for questioning in relation to a murder of a poacher in Zambia. Um, so her and her husband Mark Owens lived in um in a couple of different countries in Africa throughout the nineties. Um, they were basically reconservationists uh, or conservationists, whatever the term is for um, preserving habitat. So for elephants, rhinos, etc., cetera um, in Africa. So they, there was apparently uh, wars against like between poachers and non poachers mm-hmm. um, during the nineties. And they were obviously on one side of that uh, quote unquote war, um, and anyways, there was an ABC News um, crew that flew out there to sort of interview her and talk about it. And um, during that uh, during that segment, they actually filmed uh, one of the, I guess, uh, like not anti poachers, murder a poacher, um, and it was like on national television. But they don't know who showed it. They just show the death, right? They don't show. They the... show the dead body. They don't actually yeah. show him shooting, and they show the guy who you know, allegedly shot him. Oh, okay. Uh, and there's a big New Yorker article about this. Um, if you want to go check that out, I think it's called the hunted. Yeah. And, um, after that happened, um, they left Africa and they moved back to the United States. And there was also no follow-up investigation by ABC news as to like, you know, who killed this person? What were the circumstances? Is this person actually a poacher? How are the Owens is involved basically? So anyways, the official statement from the Zambian government is that they want her for questioning and her, and obviously Mark Owens too. They want to ask him what the fuck happened basically. Uh, and it's not going to happen because apparently there's no um, extradition. extradition treaty between Zambia and the United States. So, and then she came back and wrote a book about, you know, a woman getting away with murder. So, so yeah, that's a, a lot to unpack here, you know, <laughs> use Google. Yeah. So a lot of similarities between that story, not a lot, but like some similarities between that story and the story we just read. So we're going to get into it, but, Uh, Before we do that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. 
This episode of the Little Lands Podcast is brought to you by Drain the Marsh. Underwritten by Coke Industries, Drain the Marsh is a new initiative that aims to create more livable land for human development. For too long, coastal areas and their inhabitants have submitted to the gnarly whims of surrounding wildlife, but Drain the Marsh serves to fix this by draining swampland to make life more livable, both for the proprietors of luxury hotels and lucky tourists alike who've never experienced what the natural world has to offer. Drain the Marsh, a Coke Industries initiative. And we are back. Thank you from that ad from the Koch brothers. Um, they've been big supporters of us for a long time, since the very beginning, actually. And, um, you know, we just appreciate their support. Yeah, great champions of free speech, etc., uh, etc. Et <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of free speech, let's do some ourselves here and get into the literature, which we just read uh, the book. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about it before we get into the adaptation. Um, so, Eric, for first question why would we um, adapt something like this into cinematic form? I think in in our current like book forward adaptation environment, you could do much worse than pick, you know, the defining book of the decade, the best selling book of the last like five, four or five years. Um, so right off the bat, like that's a very obvious motive. This, like this popular of a piece of IP basically has to become another piece of IP. It has to become a movie or a TV show. Uh, I feel like in addition to that, this book was kind of formed in a lab to get the built-in audience for this kind of story what it wants. You know, there's a love triangle kind of sorta. There's murder. There's like these this like fantasy southern town. There's this like independent, strong female YA young adult lead character. Um, so I think a lot of that stuff is just sort of catnip to what people want out of this sort of story. So that works for it. And in addition, like I'm not a I'm not a big reader of this genre, but I can tell you I feel like looking at some like the cover art or just listening to like what the beachy reads are for a given season, it's all sort of like the same, just with different conceits. And I feel like the conceit on this book is kind of good. Like Marsh Girl wronged by town boy, like gets revenge. Like you can totally see that. Like, mm-hmm. oh fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a good setup. Yeah. Um, so I think for those reasons, this book is kind of like a very obvious choice to be adapted. Yeah. No, I totally agree with everything you said. And I think also just a thing to add on is sort of like what you just mentioned is like during this whole Me Too movement, right? This, you know, women empowerment movement, this sort of, um, you know, turn the, uh, turn the whatever uh, point against your abuser kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and sort of overcome it that way sort of just plays into the sort of the era that we're in. Um, but yeah, everything you just mentioned, like, you know, especially this seems like very much like a, uh, beach book. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta beach be read. right to yeah. be that big of a bestseller. It's, mm-hmm. it's almost like it became a beach read and then it spiraled into like, Oh my God. Now you have like word of mouth. Just yeah, you went to read it. crazy. Yeah. And a million people, read and bought this book and it just yeah. became a whole a whole thing yeah um and we'll talk about it because i don't know i have thoughts you have thoughts but oh, that's good it's a yeah i think it's a it's a pretty like slam dunk case for this for this bad boy yeah um so let's get into some of the parts that we were excited to see adapted frankly i think the the <laughs> in quotes the great pleasure of reading this book is is its language um owens i don't i can't remember if you mentioned this but she is a a naturalist by trade and she has like some degrees in 
um, like nature and just zoology, zoology. Biology, yeah. yeah. And I think that that shows pretty obviously in her rendering of life in the marsh. And I wager that's probably what most people react to when they read this is just like the volume of like real world descriptors and just sort of like life around the main character, Kaya. Um, of course, like none of that means shit when you talk about like a film adaptation because, you know, words aren't images. So finding a way to translate the sort of like imaginative beauty of the marsh to lovers of this book is sort of, I think, like the alpha and omega of the project that any writer would have to figure out. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that's not a writer's like job. You know, that's like a director or like mm-hmm. cinematographer's task is to like render what made the book so good yeah it's funny i was reading um i was kind of skimming through the there's like an interview with her at the end of the book uh and the version that we bought and one of the questions was um you know can you talk a little bit more about um how the the marsh is its own character of the story and sort of just speaks to what you just mentioned um and so i actually looked it up so she has a uh bs uh, in zoology from the University of Georgia and a PhD in animal behavior from UC Davis. Um, so clearly very, very knowledgeable, very smart about um, obviously animals and their environments. Um, so you could certainly see that throughout the book, um, get a sense of um, sort of the environment that was, uh, that the marsh girl was living in Kaya. Yeah. And it was actually, there were a lot of really great uh, like tidbits, like facts, like, there was one which I sort of mentioned earlier. There's there's a chapter called Sneaky Fuckers. And they're basically these, like, I think they're frogs um, or maybe any type of insect or, or animal that will basically uh, be near the alpha male. Yeah. So when the alpha male, like, sends their mating call, all the females will come. So the secondary, like the beta males, essentially, will kind of, like, once the alpha male is occupied doing his copulating the beta male will sort of pretend that he's the alpha male and sort of do his copulating. So it's a sneaky fucker. Uh, just like things like that. They're just like really interesting facts about, you know, obviously things that she learned during her, um, during her studies. Yes, I, I totally agree. And I, I, the other thing that was like interesting to me was this question of like, how do you, where do you draw the line between reality and fantasy? Because on the one hand, like this is a story about abuse and protection and fighting back um and all that and on the other it is this like fantasy virgin marshland where this you know the town travels by boat like it's some sort of southern venice where you know a full encyclopedia's worth of animals live from dolphins to herons to like pretty much any animal that you can think of i'd imagine there'd be crocodiles right is like named in this world yeah Mm -hmm. uh it's as if snow white is basically like fighting off bambi's mother's killer for Mm -hmm. a lot of this book it's a weird mix and so it's just like where as a movie where do you land do you focus more on the like reality of the situation which is that she's wanted for murder of a person and therefore has to go to court to plead her innocence or do you focus more on like how the sort of like marsh animal kingdom like you know works its magic mm-hmm. or the how like the life cycles of these sort of natural systems work because i think the book it's, it's sort of easier for it to straddle that line there's a lot made about Kaya being this like wild animalistic creature and comparisons drawn between her and like praying mantis and fireflies, no spoilers about how they like treat their 
like mates mm-hmm. and you even mentioned like the alpha male beta male mm-hmm. the like sneaky fuckers like that ultimately is a parable about like how certain animal species fake their way into mates and how some species like ultimately kill their mates if they're because it's their want and that's just like what they do mm-hmm. and so how different is what like a, a frog does from what a human might do yeah. and is it really that wrong that mm-hmm. a human might want to act like the animal that it is right right and so it, i don't know it's a, it's an interesting mix of genre in a way like mm-hmm. you can sort of see yourself lost like the like the marsh girl but then you know there is the reality that she lives in a society where there are rules and you know expectations expectations and, and all that kind of stuff so where does the where does the movie land on that line because i think if you it's i think you can get it wrong for sure for sure um yeah it's certainly a lot going on with the book and i mean there probably hasn't been a book like this probably in a long time that sort of has this depth of themes right thematic material um characters and even um like themes on like race relations um that, that we'll talk about later but yeah i mean for me i mean one of the uh like most exciting things to see adapted was just like the environment um because that's such a big factor in the book um where she lives and how secluded it is and um i think yeah, we'll get into it but i think the movie did a pretty good job of like sort of portraying that and um you know bringing that sort of section of the story to life um i feel like getting that wrong is probably a big factor of like uh or would be a big factor if this movie was like a lot worse be like the biggest sin very yeah probably yeah um and then were there any any other things you wanted to see adapted or no no just those i was i mean i was curious about daisy edgar jones just because she's been in some stuff that i've liked and this was supposed to be her kind of like big thing right like this is an adaptation of a hugely popular book that comes out in the summertime like there's a lot going on here that's sort of like crowning movie star kind of stuff yeah and uh well i guess we'll see what happens with it but this is her first like big studio movie i think so she's like the lead lead? yeah um she's obviously done some interesting things in tv um but yeah so it's just it's funny to me i guess we can talk about like the performances later too but it's just like she's irish you know i think one of the is she irish or is she from the uk are you just saying that i think i thought she was irish maybe maybe she is from the uk and but like one of the other guys is also like english Um, yeah yeah a lot of it's (laughs) taking all the american jobs (laughs) yeah or if like and if you're probably like a an american actor in this you're probably from la it's just like all these like austin butler types coming in to tell us how the south is it's just kind of it's it's interesting it's an interesting mix of yeah uh people pretending to be southern so so she is english um born in london Oh, so she's very English. Went to the Mount School for Girls and Woodhouse College, and then her alma mater was Open University. There you go. So, not Irish. Not Irish. Like Eric claims. So, fake news over here. Well, she was in that Normal People show, which is Irish. So, maybe, uh, I think what I'm thinking of is, I read uh, the profile of, you know, Six Degrees of Taylor Swift here, Joe Alwyn, who's in the uh, Conversations with Friends adaptation the other Sally Rooney adaptation in okay. addition to normal people, which is what Daisy Edgar Jones is in. Right. And she explained to him how to do the Irish accent. So I think maybe that's why I thought she was Irish. Wait, so what's the Taylor Swift connection? That's her boyfriend, Joe Alwyn. Oh, really? Who's in the, oh, interesting. the new Sally Rooney. Yeah. Some oh people think God. they're married. Oh, who can say? Page six. Don't, don't <laughs> aggregate this. I don't know. 
Um, so which part of the book, or I'm sorry, did you like reading the, the, the book here? Well, the first time I read it, like I aggressively hated it. Like I really, did really, not, really did not like it. It's also, this is like when, when it first February, came out? 2020. So like two oh, years after it came yeah. out. Um, which I mean, it's fine. It's the book's just not for me. Right They're, before your bachelor party. Yeah. True. Is March. Yeah. So a good headspace to go to the back <laughs> yeah, part. Um, I mean, there are a lot of books that aren't for me. Like, I think there's parts of this that it, that were cool. Like, Kaya is cool. I sort of rock with the idea that she's this, you know, marsh girl trying to live in a, a hard Scrabble world. Um, you know, that's dope. Sure, everyone gets, like, around this weird North Carolina coast town by boat. You know, I vibe mm-hmm. with that. That's cool. The setup's great. Yeah. It's all fine. And then, like, the words start to happen. And it, everything <laughs> from there just... It kind of unravels for do me. Do words happen? Is that what they do? They, they, in this book, yes. <laughs> like, I, I feel like the, the writer cares more about just the science and importance, like vitality of the marsh and its creatures than she cares about actually telling an interesting story about people. Um, mm-hmm. Like these, I, I mean, the dialogue in here, dude, like these characters, yeah, I mean, especially, it's... unfortunately, the black characters talk in a way that I think would just make like people from the 40s embarrassed. Like yeah, who, who actually like threw words around and, and yeah. talked like this like I, it's just like it's almost her perception of the writer's perception of the south is basically like scarlet o'hara and she's like never forgot that and really wanted to write a book where everyone talked like they were in Terra in you know 1938 fucking <laughs> you know that movie um there's even like a mammy character in here it's just it all feels kind of wrong to me and then like beyond the dialogue the story is just like it's basically just a thesis statement about when and why it's okay that one animal eats another animal which is cool but she sets it in this real world where this like creature aggressively a creature and not a like a person mm-hmm. not really um is accused of murder which is you know fine but this like creature of the marsh this person who knows waterways and secrets of the bog like very interesting like set up like okay there's no one else either on earth or in this little even make it like smaller area who can do what she can do mm. and the fucking driving engine of this plot is that she pushes off a dude from a fire tower yeah of all the things that she's capable of she just like pushes him from a hall a tall place and he falls of all the ways that she could murder him she just like pushes instead him. of like drowning or like taking him having the marsh taken you know his body in the marsh yeah like the, the, the problem i think is that like the book needs there to be a trial, but it's just like mm. a very uninteresting murder. Like it's just a very yeah. ordinary way for a very extraordinary person to commit a murder. Like in this place where she knows all of its secrets and all of its particular like particulars and all of the ways to get around and like what happens when and why. Yeah, yeah. She's this she is this like zoologist living in this world that, that like doesn't really exist for like people like us who would probably live right. in Barkley Cove or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the way she kills this guy is to just push him from up high. So you have an issue with his death and how he I was just, murdered. I just think it's uninteresting. Okay. Um, okay. On top of that, like I think as we get into like the real sins of this story, it's just like the book doesn't even hide that she's the killer. Like there's a, there's a, really? there's a sequence in here where she basically like fantasizes about how she would get away with it. It doesn't like give you the step by step, but there's there's like a page and a half where she's thinking about like after she's uh, he comes to like beat her right? right after they after they break apart tries to rape her yeah tries to rape her and beats her and then she fights him off 
and then he comes to find her she's hidden in the marsh he comes to find her then drives away and she's like i can't live like this anymore Mm -hmm. and thinks about like all the ways that she could do it and like get away with it Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and it's like well you've been undercutting this with basically like a really really horrible police investigation on Mm -hmm. the murder that we knew that not the, the death of chase that we know occurred and so you're basically telling us like three quarters of the way through that Kaya is like thinking about it and knows how to get away with doing it. Mm-hmm. And you're basically just like breaking the dam open on any mystery you've set up so far. Not to mention that the police investigation in this story is so bad. Like yeah, these yeah. two just like fat jelly roll dudes just sit in their office and one by one, all these like people knock on their door. I'm like, Hey, are you busy? I'd like to tell you a little part of this story. Yeah. If you just mind sitting down, I'm just going to relay to you this information. And yeah. like, oh, great. Thank you so much. We'll be in touch. And it's just like that over and over and over again happens. All of the crucial information that they obtain is basically given to them. They don't like actually go out and find it. No, it's just like exposition dumps yeah, every yeah. like third chapter. Yeah. Uh, and this, the, it's just like the book doesn't even care that we figure out early on. Not like that we figure out that Kaya is the killer. There's It like deflates the mystery that it was setting up. Because okay. the, the whole fucking point of this book should be whether or not Kaya is the killer, right? Right. The twist at the end is meant to be a twist and it's meant to shock you. But I think that we already, the fact that we already know what she did, mm-hmm. what she is planning kind of just like deflates it. So you can ask yourself, well, you know, she, a lot of people just think about mm-hmm. people, people fantasize about killing their abusive exes all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, what will make that clear a fucking trial being tried in a court of your peers, except will in this book, the like lawyers are so bad. Yeah. They're pretty, yeah. They are so bad. It would make David Strathairn's character in Howell, the prosecuting attorney in that movie, it would make that guy embarrassed. That's how bad <laughs> they are in this book because, and this is that like the thing I bad. cannot get over when reading this. The only thing that needs to happen in this trial is for Kaya to be put on the stand. This is the only thing that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. How in her murder trial is it not even mentioned? How is she, like, no one tries to put her on the stand to ask her the one fucking question that matters the most in this godforsaken book. Which is? What, what the fuck were you doing the <laughs> night that Chase died? Right. What were you doing? Yeah. yeah, all these people are, like, corroborating your so-called alibi. Right. But why are you not telling us? Why are you not, like, the one talking and relaying the information i think the defense has to agree to that like from they don't even talk about it in the book though yeah sure it's i mean it's mentioned in the movie but yeah, right right. yeah it's not mentioned in the book yeah so yes all these people are saying that oh yeah she got on this bus then she got off it then well i guess it's conceivable that you know she could have got on this bus Mm -hmm. and hopped off and she could have you know if the the tides were in the like appropriate way, I could have wiped the, f- the footprints. And if there was like, you know, riptide, she could have gone faster in her yeah, boat. Yeah. And I think I saw her on her boat, but I, I guess I couldn't really tell. And yeah, there was a, there was a person on my bus who was wearing a ball cap and boy couldn't tell you what, she, <laughs> what he or she looked like. And it's all that it's just like, it's, it, it basically like tells you how she committed the murder. Right. Without but like really nobody can it. prove it except for that. Like everybody can prove it. But like in a court of law, I guess technically 
you know he lawyers them to say like well yeah. I, you know you can't you, know, you kind of can't tell everybody's yeah, yeah. just really not paying attention and maybe that's a commentary on like nobody really pays attention to this like little marsh girl except for that everybody does we know that because mm-hmm. they always talk about her that she's whispered about yeah all these boys come to the fucking marsh to try to fuck her like everybody yeah. cares about her when they see her in town they run away but when she's conveniently on a bus like coming back from greenville to go murder her ex who abused her which is not mentioned in the trial right then nobody pays attention i don't know it's a lot of like up and down the the i mentioned the like fantasy reality part earlier just to sort of like harp on the trial which is like the most real aspect of this whole fucking story that she doesn't clearly give a shit about it's a lot of like people coming back to tell us their testimony that they already provided in previous chapters like mm-hmm. oh yeah my son chase he did love to wear that shell necklace mm-hmm. and on the night he died was it on his body no <gasps> mm. <sighs> well we already knew that kind of stuff so it's it's i don't know she, the author just doesn't really feel interested in doing the like trial work that would make this story more interesting because it is like the interesting part of the story which is did she fucking do it or not if you're going to have a twist at the very end that like is twisty then you have to give a shit about like the central question that you're asking your audience right if she did it, if she did it or not. Yeah. Like, don't you, I mean, you, uh, maybe you don't agree, but didn't you kind of feel like she did it the whole time while you were reading it? I know you sort of, we both read this after we watched the movie, but I feel like the, the answers were very obvious that she was the killer. I was, I disagree because I was not that. In the book. I was, in the book. So, and this may be, this may get into like why it might be better to read the book fully before watching the movie because I knew obviously what happened. So I read like maybe a third of the book and then watched the movie and then finished it after knowing what would happen. At least like, you know, assuming that it was the same. But I was shocked when, because I actually thought it was Tate. There were some subtle hints and signs that was showing in the movie, at least that it was Tate and the book, it didn't really do that. So I thought like kudos to the movie for doing that because it kind of threw me in that direction. There were no other characters in the book that could have done it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and then, you know, I was just like, well, there's no way they're going to, this is like a PG 13 movie. There's no way she's going to prison. I just, you know, it's just assume she like, gets put, put to put, death, put, you know, one and one together equals two. Right. Yeah. So like, yeah, they're not going to kill the main character in a you know, PG 13 movie. It's electric so, chair. Yeah, like, <laughs> that would have made this way more interesting for sure. Yeah. Like, uh, but, um, I don't know. I didn't, I did not have the same issues you did with the trial and sort of the, because I feel like you need to have, if you're writing a story like this, you sort of need to have some sort of clue um, as to, like, she probably did it. But enough, uh, like, things going on around her to, to think, maybe she didn't do it. You know what I mean? Um, obviously, she has the most reason to do it. She is basically the only one with any reason to it, besides Tate. Um, so... I mean, it's kind of assumed that she did, and eventually it's like, oh, maybe she didn't. And then, obviously, she gets off, and you're like, oh, my God, maybe she, maybe it was Tater. Maybe it was somebody else. Um, but I didn't have as much issue. I mean, obviously, a lot of the verbiage and a lot of the things that were said in the trial were very, like, cliche and very – they were not, like, you know, this is elementary-level uh, trial court. And I'm not an expert, but you can just tell by reading it um, that it's it's very, like, you know, spelled out for – you know the audience but um and i thought even actually thought it was worse so in the movie but 
Um, Maybe David Strathairn like shouldn't be playing lawyers anymore. We just retire him <laughs> from the courtroom. <laughs> Has he done lawyers before? He, he seems remember like he we would in be. our with Lindsay and Howell. He was the prosecuting oh attorney. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah, and he was. I did not put that. Together. That was like the worst court. Yeah, that scene was, we've seen in. Honestly, wow. that was yeah. yeah. I think that was worse than this. I mean, this is still bad, but like yeah. that was fucking horrible. Um, no, I don't, I don't. I did not have the issues with it because I think the way that the story is told, it's like you have these two separate timelines that are kind of eventually uh coming towards this one point in the story which is the trial um that you sort of need to have enough information um from the main character's perspective kaya where you're like she she probably did it and she has the most reason to do it but not enough information to think like this is how it was done because there are times where it gets you to a point you're like oh my god like i didn't know this like she probably did this and it takes you in a different direction I thought the author did actually did a pretty good job with that. Um, and then sort of giving that reveal at the end, sort of like as a cherry on top. I don't know. I thought it was actually like quite good. I but d- you no, I, yeah. <laughs> did not think that. Not a fan. I just like, I, I for the mystery that purportedly this book was about, I just, there's like, there was no mystery to it. Like we basically told you exactly what happened in real time. And we just couldn't quite like prove it was mm-hmm. Kaya. You know what I mean? I do. I do agree with you saying that it's an uninteresting murder. It's very like plain, very plain. But also, how did she lure him? Yeah, there's no Dude, cell phones. Hey, right? let's meet at. Yeah, hey, she, so she must have gone to his house, and then she was seen driving or riding her boat there by herself. Yeah, so she must have been like, you know, little rock on the window, right? Like, hey, let's meet at the whatever the fire, whatever it's called, the fire tower. Yeah, fire tower. In but like how did no minutes. one hear his boat? How did he get there? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The window was very small. And was his boat there? Did the did the sheriffs find his boat? I don't remember that. I don't think I don't know. How did he get there? Yeah. So I mean, there are all these questions, and also like, he knows. I mean, okay. So a couple of things. So he knows. Actually, actually, let me take a step back. In the movie, they have the scene where they go up on the fire tower together. They have that in the book too. They do. Okay. Yeah. I must have forgot. So he knows that it's dangerous up there. Whatever. They're going at pitch black night. Like, this is kind of sketch where I, I just tried to rape you. Like, am I not suspicious that you're going to try and do something? Or um, he doesn't, what is he, what is he doing? Like, what is it, what is his purpose for going there? Is he like, he wants to reconcile, obviously, but like on also, top of the fire lookout. Yeah. Which is like, can we just do this on ground? Yeah. Right. <laughs> or, or not a thousand feet in the air. Um, so, you know, maybe that speaks to his ego, right? Like he's, oh, she can't do anything to me because I'm like this quarterback guy like whatever um macho man if he but, was that good of a quarterback wouldn't he have played in college he's like apparently not yeah he's like the best quarterback this town has ever seen and yet no apparently the town's not very good at football you know what i mean <laughs> That's, he doesn't never, go anywhere it's like saying like you're the best quarterback from mclean high school yeah like you're you're never <laughs> yeah then you got a like a biology degree yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Mm. um yeah i mean that the there are a lot of questions around that um, and there are a lot of things that had to go right for her to basically actually even commit the murder. Cause in the book, she was actually, the bus was late. So she didn't have yeah. actually much time to get there, kill him, uh, and get back on the bus and change into two s- disguises. Right. Like, yeah, she's an old lady coming back and then she's like a linky a, guy, a linky guy going, going there. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of a, I don't know. She makes the author makes the, uh, the crime very like, outlandish and it has to make it very perfect for her to actually do it and pull off which makes which is basically the whole defense's case is like there's no way she had to, she didn't have time to do this 
you know, it would have been crazy to do two disguises, right? There's all these like convenient. But she's also like the Marsh Girl, and her like, what you know, her incredible crime is to take a bus to and from Greenville, and then take a boat from its docking to the fire lookout, and then back. Like, there's nothing that nobody else, like someone else, could have done that. The only thing that she maybe knew was that like the riptide would carry her slightly faster. Maybe, yeah. But there's a whole town of fucking boaters. Like they would also know that, yeah, right? Yeah. They all boat around. And she was. There were witnesses. They saw her from sixty yards away, but still at night. You know, it's not the even moon, a moon. the moon hadn't come out yet. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying. Like as far as like what this character should have been capable of and what that world is, like it's all very uninteresting. The fact that there's no mystery. Because we've laid out, it's there's like the twist. We there's no there can't be a twist because it's literally what we figured. We've already figured it out. Like mm-hmm. the characters figure it out. Hmm. So are you you're upset with, you, are you upset with her murdering him, or are you upset with the way that she did it? Because like, murder does not necessarily fit within her character description. She's never done it before. She's not violent. I guess she punches him, right? So she's well, yeah, she's like getting attacked. Right? Yeah, yeah. But she doesn't have like a violent history. She doesn't. No, right. Yeah. So is that is your issue like No, I don't have an issue with her okay. killing him. I just I my issue is that like there was no other suspects, right? Right. Like they find the hat in her house. And sure, like you know, she could have put hair on his So you're upset with the police. They didn't do their job. I am just I'm upset with the writer who didn't make it like very interesting <laughs> I that see. Yeah. You know what I mean? She yeah, she didn't It's yeah. so obvious. Yeah. It's like the Marsh girl. He died after dating her you know whatever dating her yeah, for yeah. four fucking years right like there's a person that saw her attack him you know yeah if they could have put her like you know whatever if they put her on the stage she could have told like oh yeah i was being like raped basically right but yeah. you know the crime is murder here that we're like litigating right so you know who also has motivation to take the necklace his wife true yeah. right he wears it all the time where was she in all about this? his his act you know not even his ex sort of like his side his side check yeah where's mom upset yeah she's upset. She's mad. yeah i mean where she, was be, she would have motivation to take it as well yeah obviously tate there's a lot of people that have motivation yeah. that we simply like don't focus on yeah like to kill it to, oh they're only probably well now that i mentioned the wife there's probably three people who have motivation to kill him maybe if his wife found out about his canoodling jump in at a certain point who's the oh like, yeah proprietor of a like uh whatever beachfront goods and services and his wife, store Maple? he at one point is like you, or i Maple, see your sorry. shiner on your face like who did that was that chase like i'll next time i see him i'm gonna give oh. him like a piece <laughs> yeah and it's like okay well that's some motivation jody if he had found out he, he obviously didn't know what was going on but yeah and uh, she does say uh, like tate tate knows early on and he's not really mad about it in the book the way he is in the movie which we'll talk about in a second mm-hmm. i guess we should get off the book but <laughs> uh just nobody there is no other suspect which is my pro- like we don't bring anyone else in for questioning they obviously can't like find her for the longest time because goddamn you can't like search the palmetto fronds to the side of the fucking house oh well, you're not home i guess you know should I we, think, bring, the, should we yeah. bring the dogs out no nah, we don't need the dogs probably speaks to the small town aspect of it you know you're not going to get real detectives right you're going to just get like joe and bob who are you know go to the diner every you know male only diner and in the bar every every thursday night but yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot more like work they could have done. Probably the lack of evidence plays into why they didn't do much, why they sort of honed in on her so quickly. Um, and the red fibers, man, from her hat. Listen, 
was Tate's hat too, you know? Yeah, it was, yeah. It's pre-DNA, I think. How funny was that scene of the movie? Can we talk about that? He's they're talking about this red hat, and then you know, a, a couple scenes later, you see him with this. He never wears a hat in the whole yeah. movie, and then he's wearing this like bright—not even bright, but like sticks out like a sore thumb, like a little beanie. And that's Mister Beanie. And that's when him and Chase fight. You know, quote unquote fight. Anyways, we'll get into the movie. Let's get right. let's get into the movie. But okay, well, so you like this book better than I did, obviously. Yeah, actually, I I enjoyed it okay. quite a bit. <laughs> so good for you. <laughs> Thank you. Glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> um, we're gonna take a quick break, and we will be right back. I have, like you, heard the tall tales told about the Marsh Girl. An abandoned child. I had a family once. They called me Kaya. A little girl surviving in the marsh on her own, reviled and shunned. Hello, Miss Kaya. I hear y'all by muscles. I feel so invisible. I wonder if I'm here at all. You are. I think you're gorgeous. I want to get to know you better. There's no fingerprints on the railing, the grades, nothing. No fingerprints? Being isolated was one thing. Being hunted, quite another. You didn't see me here. The Marsh girl, she killed him. I know you have a world of reasons to hate these people. No, I never hated them. They hated me. They harassed me. Oh, they never did see me here. You want me to beg for my life? I won't. They're not deciding anything about me. In spite of everything, trying to stomp it out, life persists. Way out yonder, where the crawdads sing, the marsh knows one thing above all else. Every creature does what it must to survive. we are back thank you for listening to the trailer okay so uh spoke about the book now we're gonna get into the movie but before we do that uh erica's gonna learn us something yeah just a little uh quick dialogue about dialogue here well mm-hmm. um did you know very tiktok voice did you know that north carolina is actually the most linguistically diverse state in the entire country i did not know that um southern states tend to have the most regional dialects anyway thanks to factors including um, like the deconstruction of infrastructure, reconstruction, post-Civil War, other crises, and the fact that regional accents tend to be strongest among the poorest people. The ones who couldn't afford to leave after the Civil War usually were the keepers of their regional accents. Um, and then, you know, post-Civil War, a lack of migration into the South allowed these accents to bloom in isolation. That's changing a little bit now as more and more people are moving to like Charlotte and Atlanta mm. And all that stuff, you know, the Northerners are coming back to like smooth out <laughs> the accents, to take over the South. Um, and there are actually very few states like North Carolina that contain such a variety of landscapes that have developed their own like regional 
uh, accents. There's low country near South Carolina, the Appalachian accent, the what's called the plantation slash black belt accent, um, tidewater accent. And there is an accent called the Pamlico that is spoken in the Outer Banks region. Oh, my God. Um, of course, none of these accents can actually be found in where the crawdads sing, just the chicken fried drawl that is so commonly used in TV and movies to uh, show Southern people. Is that actually what it's called? Chicken fried drawl? No, I've just, I just, oh. I coined that right now. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that, that's a pretty clever name. Yeah. Well, it's definitely drawl. You know, people, mm-hmm. there is a Southern, southern drawl, drawl, but I feel like chicken fried is a good descriptor of it. Cause it kind of gives you the, like, you know, the sort of like sweet honeyed, um, you know, I've I've made you mash a, a couple words together. Yeah, I've made you a a supper here of, of uh, greens chicken and grits. yeah, black eyed peas Cal and Cal, yeah, Maybe something like that. Like it just I don't know. Chicken fried feels like it right. sounds right. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's why I thought. Oh my god, it's an official term. So there you go. Start using that. Appreciate um, it. Give us credit for that. But I thought yes, that was interesting sure. that North Carolina is like among the yeah. most diverse, just because there is like so many different regions, like mountainous region, the like Piedmont Plainsy mm-hmm. region waterfront um and then that like people after the civil war didn't really leave and people didn't really enter mm-hmm. so they were just allowed to like develop and stay the same and it didn't get like dc you know we grew up speaking like this which is yep. a very empty accent because <laughs> there's so many people here yeah it's all just sort of like smooth into like a very round it's, uh yeah nothingness. yeah because yeah. we don't have a lot of culture exactly so. we borrow culture from everywhere yeah which is honestly the way to do it. Yeah. In my opinion. But it is it's we're one of the few I think in the West there's not very many accents. Like maybe you get like the Valley Girls Surfer Bro. You definitely have thing. a California. Um, but there's no you there's know no Seattle. Like Utah, Colorado like you don't think of those places with accents. Just like normal white people. Yeah. But yeah. all up and down even up and down like the East Coast, you can think of different like New England accent yeah, is Boston. a certain way. Boston, New York, mm-hmm. Philly. I guess Maryland watery. There's a yeah, water, there's a like Baltimore. a watery accent. Yeah. Um. Then the South, obviously, like different. That's interesting. So accents are a thing, and uh, you know you can't just smooth them out because it's convenient. <laughs> Unless you move to DC. Anyway. Um. Cool. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Um. Let's get into the movie. I just saw you highlight your selection here, but how would you describe the adaptation? I think we, I think it, I think it deserves a literal, um, a stamp of literal, literalism. I would literally agree with that. Uh, there is like very, there are, there are changes and we'll talk about Mm -hmm. them in a second, but I think they are so minor as to like very, like have very little relevance on the plot or like what you are expecting as you come to see this movie. Yeah. Um, let's get into the differences here. The first one we have here, um, uh, probably the, maybe not the most noticeable difference, but maybe one of the more important ones is, um, the formatting of the narrative, um, slash the pacing. So in the book, it is, uh, pretty slow going for the, uh, present day narrative. It's, they're like very short chapters or maybe like two pages, three pages at most. And then you have the previous timelines in the fifties where you're getting the backstory of Kaya, they're like, you know, multiple pages and they kind of swallow the first half to two thirds of the book. And then it sort of takes over for present day. 
uh, maybe like the fast like 100 pages or so. But in the movie, it's much more um, present day focus with like flashbacks and you know tidbits of information that are given from the past. Do you want to talk about a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think in the book, like it's definitely what has more life in it is the past. When we get to see Kaya grow up and like meet Tate and meet all these cast of characters. Um, and then we build to the final trial, like when the past and the present narratives meet up. And I think basically like, you know, without the murder, nothing really happens in the book. Like the book is all leading to this murder. So if you're writing like a propulsive novel, you might as well foreground the idea that like this guy died Mm -hmm. and we're trying to unravel the mystery that doesn't really exist in the book, but should. (laughs) So you can sort of understand why that is the way mm-hmm. this is set up in the in the movie. It's harder because you need to sort of like ground the flashbacks, like purposefully. So there has to be a reason we're going back in time, mm-hmm. and the reason is that we are in the trial, and all of the like people that come on the stand remember a different part of the past mm-hmm. or help us, like basically like. We're like, Kai, remember that time that you met Tate? And it's like, whoosh, mm-hmm. yeah. whatever. So it's it's sort of like the the present day is sort of our way into the past. Mm-hmm. And it's it is different because in the in the book, she's not captured for a long time. She's able to evade the sheriff and his deputy and all that. And mm-hmm. in the movie, it kind of starts with her being captured. Yes. And it's sort yeah. of interesting that I mean, you know, whatever. It changes her character a little bit. Like she is this person of the marsh who probably could evade capture if she really wanted to and then the first thing we see is her basically getting captured so it's like okay is she really like <laughs> so good that the, the c- cops that nabbed her right away yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like takes the teeth like grinds her teeth down a little bit but mm, yeah that's pretty small mm-hmm. um but i, I think is like a, a storytelling device mm-hmm. just having the trial as your framing setup allows you to like ping back and forth in time conveniently yeah it also like uh, immediately puts you in a, t- a tense environment throughout the movie. Like, you know, this thing is happening sort of in the background um, when you're in the past. Right. So it sort of keeps you in that state of tension. And yes. Yeah. The mystery unfolds in real time because yeah. we actually don't know what happens until someone brings it up and then we see it later. Yeah. So that is a way to build tension and mystery as opposed to yes. In the book. Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. And then, so uh second one here is, you know, spoiler alert, Kaya reveals her murder of Chase in a poem. Um, and apparently she is also a poet. So towards the end of the book, I mean, the very, very end, actually, um, she has died and her husband Tate is sort of going through things in the house and finds this floorboard that's like, looks, looks weird and doesn't look right. So he opens it up. He finds a, I think it was like a shoebox filled with things and he opens it up and looking through it and stuff. And he finds these poems that she had kept, um, that were actually printed in, I think, magazines or, you know, local local, magazines or newspapers. And she would cut them out and keep them. And, you know, without, you know, as he was looking through this, he finds, oh, she was, this is, you know, Kaya was the poet of these poems. Um, And then he finds this one poem that Eric so gracefully read for us at the beginning of this episode called The Firefly, which basically, um, if you didn't, if you weren't fucking paying attention, uh, is her basically admitting to the murder of Chase. Um and sort of her reasoning as well as to why she did it. Um, and then you get, uh, you see the necklace that Chase had worn that was given to her, uh, given to him by Kaya, which is um, in the movie, that is the only signifier. So there's no poems. She's not a poet. It's not this, you know, 
which is, you know, obviously you get the difference between the visual medium and the textual medium, right? So that's a difference there. Um, did you like that? Do you have any comments on it? Well, I think the poems in the book are, it is a big twist that she is the poet because uh, the Amanda Hamilton, like poet is used quite a lot in the book. It's mm-hmm. sort of like, it's sort of like Kaya's, you know, third person remembrance or like her, her internal monologue is told often through these like very literal poems. Mm-hmm. And so I think as you're adapting this and you know, we, it's like the, one of the most elemental parts of any adaptation is that like, you can't take some of the internal stuff with you unless you use voiceover or whatnot. So if, if that, if all the internal stuff has to go, then like the poems have to go. Yeah. And if that happens, then you can't use that as a twist because there is no poet in this world. Right. And therefore, um, it just has to be, it just has to be different. Yeah. I, I think the change is, is, is basically fine. Um, it was the, the twist in the book. I, I mean, I didn't, I, it was, it was whatever for it, me. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like awe shattering, but it was like, Oh, that's, that's interesting. You know? Yeah. Like maybe if her, if she was like a more, fa- I don't know, famous poet, like yeah, it was yeah. like, Oh, uh, you know, what was, was great was the reveal in the movie. That was, I was like, Oh, so oh my God. it's funny. I, I'll talk about this for a second, but so in the, in the, in the book, so in the, in the movie, the, the necklace is in like this diary of like her life yeah. with chase. Right. Mm-hmm. In the movie. No, in, in, in the, the book, the police actually find her diary. They find her diary and they, where read, she it talks, and they read it at trial. Yeah. And so in the movie, the fact that they like don't find that book, it's like this is just bad police work, man. Like you're, yeah, but it was you have a warrant to go you know, into the. Was it on the floorboard? Where, where did you find like it? That. It was. Okay. I mean, Tate lived there his whole life. Basically, he couldn't find it. So that's men, dude. Yo, they just they can't the see co- any. Give the cops a break. <laughs> I'm just saying, like a a better police work. They go in the house and like, oh look, it's the fucking red hat. It's sitting right <laughs> on the chair. Let me just grab that, and they find nothing else, man. They should they should have figured they should have found that in their police work. That's all I'm saying. All right. They found it in the book. Why couldn't they find it in the movie? That's all I'm saying. Because <laughs> it was hidden. Um, no, I mean, I you know, it was it was a nice, it was a nice twist. I like yeah. that that Chase or that Tate didn't know his entire life basically, yeah, yeah. and then it's, it's kind of a it's a it's a cool even if it like doesn't totally, isn't totally like backed up by the story. Mm-hmm. The fact that like Tate has that recognition is kind of cool. Yeah, it's like Tate's. We're having that recognition as well with him. Um, it sort of changes your perception of the character. No, reading. I already knew that she killed. Him. <laughs> Apparently, Eric but I, inside I'm, information. I'm reacting to Tate reacting. You know, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> so, did you have anything more on that? Because not really. No, I mean, I thought that was that was basically it. Okay. Um, so, and then our third one is a confrontation between Chase and Tate. Doesn't happen in the book, but it fucking happens in the movie, and it's glorious. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's you're like just high school, high school <laughs> bros just like looking at each other. We're like peacocking. Although I think Chase hits Tate in the face, and they they do tussle a little they bit. They tussle a little bit, yeah. Um, it happens outside jumping shop, right? So for me, this is better in the movie because yeah. mm-hmm. it creates like Tate as a suspect. Yeah, basically, yeah. like I know what the fuck you did, and it's not fucking cool. Yeah, and I don't fuck with you, and I will be violent towards you. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I could be violent to you in other ways. Yeah. But it also puts the red hat into play for Tate. So we don't know. 
anything about this red hat, but we don't, you know, there's these red fibers that the police find is their only evidence basically um, on Chase's person that like has nothing to do with Chase. It's like came from somewhere else. Um, so in the book, they, it, it is Chase's hat in the book, but they're like kind of tossing it between each Tate's other. Tate's hat. Tate's hat. Tate's hat. Yeah. Tate and Kai are kind of like throwing it back at each other. Like it's not really. But what's funny about this scene is like, obviously he's wearing this hat. It's funny. It looks stupid. <laughs> um, it's fucking Carolina and whatever. That's fall time. girl energy. Even because though. it's winter, it's still fucking like 70 degrees. And, um, you know, they walk by each other. They're outside of Jumpin's place and they kind of, I think somebody says something to somebody kind of like, Oh no, uh, Chase was bragging about how he was bagging uh, Kaya, and obviously Tate took exception to that. And said like, you know, you're not good enough for. Her. And he said, "What? You know, what boy? Would you say to me?" And then obviously there was a little tussle, and basically what happens is he t- he like grabs the hat from Tate as they were tussling, and like that's how that's how one way the fibers could get on to Chase and sort of puts that little seed into your mind, to my mind at least, of Tate possibly you know, killing chase. Yeah. So I thought the movie did a great job of that. Yeah. You know, what's good is when you have more suspects like in a mystery, <laughs> I, you know, like the more people no, that I think we could just... have done it makes it a richer story. We experience. should have one and we should only focus on that person until we find out, Oh, they didn't do it. You know, what's also crazy <laughs> is like red wool. Like have you ever seen yeah. like a red wool item only in like the North? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess he's only like a shrimper, Ireland right? And... He's kind of like a shrimper. So maybe, Maybe if like he's a out. New England shrimper would might wear that. Hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Not in fucking Carolina. Anyways. But also like how many fucking things are made of wool? Like a ton of stuff. Yeah. And red, you know, of the colors, it's a primary should, one. I mean, fucking red scarves, it, right? Oh, dude, don't even give me Anyways, let's keep moving before we have an aneurysm. So, uh our fourth difference here is there's much more uh on race relations in the book. There's a lot more about uh, you know, uh Caucasian people being racist towards african-americans yeah it sort of feels like and we don't need to get into like the very specific things that yeah. are used in, in the in the story you can i mean it's the your, your starter pack of uh <laughs> southern southern culture be a racist. yeah I, I don't know it's just sort of i feel like she used the author uses it to sort of tell you what the, the south is like like mm-hmm. you know what this is a place that has like the confederate flag and yeah, yeah. we use these words and we have these these we use we talk about these songs and these yeah. things are called this and all that and it, i don't know it's there's not really like explored it's just sort of like i get that that's how the world operated in 1960 1970 mm-hmm. like through those years mm-hmm. i just think like you know it was a, it's sort of a shorthand way to describe the kind of place that exists here i don't i don't know that it we wasn't really interesting needed it. Yeah, yeah i mean it wasn't like it took know. me out of it a little bit i was just like Did it? Okay. okay i mean i think it was just there to sort of paint the the time and the setting it wasn't really there to sort of push the narrative or provide character development it was just sort of like this is the South in the seventies, like you said. Yeah. In the sixties. Um, but it's also a fantasy. It's also fantasy. And it's like, it's just like a marsh girl living in the marsh and driving her boat to, you know, jumping's place. And yeah, there's anything could have existed here, right? This is a fake place, but we, we have to have it's a place grounded called in reality, right? Colored town. I mean, it's you know grounded I mean? in like, I mean, it's not like it, it is not a fantasy novel. No, but yeah, this is a, this is a fake town 
but it's grounded in reality. I mean, it's not like she has superpowers or anything. So now you're coming to my problem with this, which is that like it is grounded in reality. So why is the trial so bad? <laughs> this is the whole like because the police fucking, are bad or jobs. This is the whole like boulder rolling down the hill. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it is, it is, I yeah, it is totally grounded in reality. But yeah. it's like, I don't know, it's just silly and unnecessary and like not yeah, it's just un- not interesting. We had two different reads of this book, clearly. Well, maybe if you read it again. <laughs> yeah, you've read it twice. Um, and then another of our differences here that we found was the motivation for Kaya writing her books. So uh, for those who haven't seen it or read it, she eventually becomes this like sort of illustration author, um, sort of like an, providing like an encyclopedia sort of information on, or biological information, whatever, on insects and uh, creatures of the marsh, basically. So, you know, she didn't go to school, so she's got, like, a lot of time on her hands. Uh, she's not making money, like, grabbing oysters. She is drawing. She's, like, looking at praying mantises and, uh, you know, other things of the marsh and, like, drawing them, becoming better and better. And then, like, you know, obviously she learns things as she moves on by observing them and then reading books about them. So, anyways, she becomes an author for these books. Um but her motivation is different between the book and the movie on how she becomes this author. So in the book, uh, she finds out that um, Chase is actually engaged, which will come to that difference as well later. Um, and then some time passes and we find out, okay, she's actually written these books. But basically her motivation is that Tate, who is now back in her life, sort of pushed her in this direction said, hey, you know, th- th- these are really good illustrations. You have all this knowledge. You should like, you know, here are some publishers. You should like reach out and like send them your samples, whatever. Focus your energies on this instead of that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Make some money. Um, and then, f- so the primary motivation in the movie is actually she finds out that there is, uh, there are back taxes that need to be paid on her, uh, on her family's house. Basically, there haven't been taxes paid in like whatever decades or something. Yeah. And um, she needs to basically make money to pay those back taxes so that um, apparently according to the law is that anybody who pays those back taxes eventually essentially owns the house. So it could be a developer, you know, coming in or, you know, they, they, you know, kind of plant that seed in the narrative as well. So that's sort of an outside, um, you know, antagonist, but essentially that's the difference. Is there anything sort of like comment on, or is anything interesting from your perspective on this difference? Well, I think in the movie, you know it's a it's a motivating money is a motivating factor which is which is better than having no motivation for doing something i think in both cases the sort of like owning the house is in the movie at least like owning the house is sort of like a spur narrative like if you think of like a spur road that's just like 270 right it just bumps off of a major road and then Mm. ends yeah so it, it does its thing and then but it doesn't really go anywhere and that's just in the in the book. It's just sort of like this, or the movie. Excuse me. It's just sort of this like spur narrative that exists so that she can buy the house, and mm-hmm. that's really it. Kind of like nobody bids for the house, although another book or movie might have that. Like another character come in to try to take it from her. Mm-hmm. And the it, the book the book is like it ends with there being more development in this area, and it's lucky that she owns her house so that nobody could take it from her. Right. And generations will still like own that land. Right. Right until like Donald Trump comes around and like buys all of the plots around it and like builds a golf course. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't know. There's ways to get that house, baby. <laughs> um, uh, drain, baby drain. Anyway. Um, yeah, I, I think in the, in the book, it makes more sense that owning the house is important mm-hmm. because you know, the rest of the land is developed and she could sort of keep it and her family can sort of keep this like pristine 
coastal paradise. Yeah. In the movie, the movie doesn't really care about that. The movie, it just like is a is a plot point that's yeah. motivated, but ultimately goes nowhere. I kind of now I'm trying to think like why was she even there in the first place? Like why was she even at this banker's? I don't really remember. Obviously, the the outcome is that she finds out she needs to pay them, and she actually in the book she pays them right away. She already has the money. Yeah, she already has the money. She already has the books readily available, or like you know, in the world. So she's already got money from it. I don't remember why she. Was I think there. Tate might like encourage her to to go to the look into it or something. Maybe or jump in or or Mabel. Some of the maybe some more of the like adult characters. Yeah. Oh, um, maybe. Oh, yeah. Maybe it was jumping. That actually sounds familiar. Yeah. Anyways, it's it's, a, it's a, pretty a, minor, right? Yeah, it's not like a um, backbreaker. However, like it that. is it is kind of notable notable because it is like oh someone could steal your house which is the only place you really ever loved yeah, and yet like nobody comes to do that so it's, it's yeah. sort of it's almost like fake drama in a certain way yeah it's sort of a way to sort of spark a little drama for the time being but it's very quick very quick just like bravo yeah um so then we're going to get into chase's engagement which i mentioned just previously so and very minor difference here but in the book um, Kaya is going into town, I think, to get cake for, I think, his birthday or something for some occasion. Yeah. And happens to run into Chase with, like, his friends, basically. He's act- She's actually never met his friends. Just, like, knows them by, like, girls, how she describes them. Yeah. Girls with pearls, blonde hair girls. Blonde hair girl or something, yeah. yeah. And um, so she meets them, says hello, and then Chase is, like, obviously, like, kind of, uh, like, I'll see awkward. you Sunday, like I said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah don't follow me um and they leave kind of brisk you know abruptly and then she is in the store looking around picks up a magazine happens to like flip to the back or wherever it is to find out oh shit here's a picture of chase and the girl that i just met um there here's an engagement announcement like what the fuck and she goes you know obviously gets upset runs home uh and then the next chapter is like years later um but in the book i'm sorry in the movie we get the same interaction but the the fiance actually tells her kaya oh i'm his fiance yeah um, we're engaged or whatever and then it's like oh fuck and then chase's like all right see you later kaya <laughs> yeah and then he kind of he rushes back to her to sort of apologize drunk that's when the like commotion happens right no well i think that happens a little bit later okay um but actually it doesn't happen at all in the book he, they sort of just break off contact yeah. there's no years and years later he yeah, comes back, yeah yeah uh, but yeah, it happens pretty quickly after um, that he like starts to abuse her and stuff. Um, so, I mean, noteworthy in any way difference. I, I think it's just better writing. I think if you're going to have a dramatic moment, you might as well have two characters together Face off. in a scene. And instead of like having her learn very important information that changes her relationship with another character off, like not with him. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward like seven years later. It just feels weird, right? You know, here's yeah. a here's a life changing bit of information for you, Kaya. Next chapter, we're gonna fast forward three years. Yeah, I don't really care how you feel about it. <laughs> I don't really want to explore that. It's also like, you know, it's called good Chase, writing. Come wouldn't on, Chase, like, be like, hey, you know, aren't we so good? Like, are we not like? But he does that does that in the movie, right? It feels well, more. So, yeah, but like he, you know, in the in the book, he wouldn't know that she found that he, you yeah, know, Kaya found out about their engagement. That's a good point. You know what I mean? So sounds like another like, yo, are we not still like going out? And sounds like minus one for the book. I don't know. <laughs> Damn, maybe I should rate this 3.5 instead of four. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, so relatively minor difference, but yeah, it certainly provides more drama and uh, common sense, I guess. 
for that. Yeah, if you're gonna have two characters fight or give them a reason to fight, fucking put them in the scene together. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's what Aristotle told me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you read a lot of Aristotle these days. Poetics. (laughs) Let's move on to uh, Jody's scar. So Jody is Kai's brother, um, closest brother, older brother, um, the only brother that had any sort of, uh, or only sibling that has any sort of like you know redeeming qualities. to towards Kaya because you know at least he told her to not stay there with uh their abusive father but anyways um still abandoned Kaya comes back as a military man in both the book and the movie uh but he has a scar uh in the book and not a scar in the movie um and we find out later that the scar is actually from an incident where um Pa you know the 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 head of the household for for Jody and um for Kaya comes home drunk one night and finds out that his his wife the the mother of the children uh has 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 money whatever she bought some i can't remember what she bought but she had you know extra money that he didn't know about and he basically accuses her of whoring yeah um and there's a tussle and he grabs a fire poker uh i don't know if i don't think he's stout he like hits her with it he he she starts bleeding he punches her and then they try to escape and Jody like fights him off. That's basically. right. Jody tries to come in and like stop his father, and then basically whacks him in the face with it. Um, so that's how he gets a scar. So it's a little bit of um, like backstory on you know obviously their situation. And I feel like there's actually we should, probably should mention that there's a lot more on the mother in the book than there is in the movie that we can maybe talk about after this. But um, it's certainly it's a more violent occurrence in the book than it is in in the in the movie there's actually only one occurrence i think that they show of her of him like beating beating his kids and beating his wife um but this is certainly a more violent one yeah and i think the difference here is basically like it's a there's a there's a few like jody centric differences it's just like at the very beginning of this movie we see him paw like punch her punch his wife he gets like bodied by a young Tate and then like goes in a fit of rage. Right. And that's yeah. when like the next day Ma leaves. Yep. Um, and then one by one, the rest of the family like leaves and leaving Kaya alone with him. Yeah. Which is like, can we just talk about how fucking horrible, like obviously it's a horrible situation, but if you're a sibling, even, I mean a mother horrible, if you're a sibling, like you have to have some sort of, like both of her oldest siblings just dip together and they're yeah. both girls, right? Like, oh, yeah. oh, you don't think to take your little sister little with sister. you? Like, what the fuck? You're leaving your little... Anyway, I just want to... That is true. It. That is... It's fucked up. That's what the plot needed, man. The plot needed her to be it's alone. great writing, though. Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, okay. So that happens in the movie and I think that's kind of enough. Like, we, like how much yeah. more how much more evil can paw get mm-hmm. he like sucker punches his wife his daughter yeah and like a whole bunch of members of the family yeah i get i mean in the, in the book it's 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 two things it's like even more horrifying um but it shows that jody was like always there for her even though she didn't remember it um so he he does have like he did try you know yeah. what i mean she yeah. thinks that everyone has left and didn't help her at all but he reveals that like no i did try like this giant scar yeah. gash on my face is from that moment yeah also too in the in the book um jody is like a history of the family like he remembers stuff that she doesn't because she was too young that's right and 
in his return, he can sort of relay like, no, actually you and Tate were like always very close and like life before you really kind of remember it was like this. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of just like don't need that in the movie because we're seeing it in real time. Like the camera doesn't forget. We don't need Jody to come back later and explain to us what happened in the yeah, first five minutes. Yeah. So it's just all sort of unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And you know, how evil does Pa need to be? Can he just be like evil enough that you hate him and then we just move on rather than him? Yeah, like, we don't need to fire poking Jody in the face. Yeah, the book does an interesting thing where it introduces Pa as like this, you know, abusive character. But then there's sort of like re- it's almost sort of redeeming after that between the relationship between um, Kai and him. It's sort of like almost repaired in a way. Like there's a little bit of sympathy for him. Uh, but I think this story in the book sort of like nails that coffin shot. Like, nope, you don't get, you don't get any sympathy from the, from the audience here. Whereas in the, in the movie, I don't think there's really much of any sympathy given towards the father. There is a little bit of a relationship shown between him and Kaya, but not, to the same effect as it is in the book um yeah his evilness is modulated a little bit so you can it's like okay well you know i think if you reveal that later maybe it's like oh jesus christ why was kai there the whole time yeah this way it's like okay well she was safe mm-hmm. enough and yeah. it sort of makes sense and it, maybe it's also like in the spirit of a pg-13 movie that the dad is not yeah that's this fair. like extremely violent yeah um like person we're right? not watching a david cronenberg film. yeah what's his new one crimes of the future yeah that looks fucking crazy um yeah so i think it's just like it's a pg-13 angry father kind of situation yeah yeah, yeah. right drunk abusive yeah um and if and if that's the case then you just don't need jody to be anything more than uh he has to come soldier. back because the yeah. story you know yeah it needs yeah the question you're about to ask why, they, why are these so similar is like well he was there in the book so he's got to come <laughs> back in the movie um before but yeah. we get to that I wanted to, can we talk about the mother? Oh yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot more, um, this, you know, and the, basically the same things happen, but in the, in the book, there's a lot more about her that we find out from Jody, um, about her sickness, essentially her like leukemia, leukemia, as well as her mental state. So she was like, so, so abused by her husband that she obviously was depressed and, and all sorts of things. I'm sure that she just left her children and, and her life behind and moved back to her with her parents, and uh, basically was like a uh, was in like almost like a pseudo coma, uh, where she wouldn't talk to anybody, she wouldn't interact with anyone. Um, she had basically no enjoyment of life, uh, is basically how Jody describes it in the book. Um, and there's this like weird thing that he mentions right where she was living in like the void as well as like in the in the in the real world like sort of this in between where like nothing really she was so emotionless and wasn't really a real person after what happened and i thought that was an interesting thing to mention in the book it sort of gives that character closure and sort of gives kaya closure on what her mother you know went through um I don't know. I find it interesting because it's almost like, I, you know, I don't, I don't really have a lot of sympathy for the mother because she abandoned the children, but obviously being in that situation would be horrifying. So I can't be totally uh, like neg- neg- negligent to that, but I thought it was interesting that the author decided to give her like that mention of like, she had no enjoyment for the rest of her life. You know what I mean? Like she lived, but she was not happy. 
Yeah. I suppose it's the difference between the, like, you know, your run-of-the-mill animal, insect kind of thing and humans, where a lot of Kaya's, like, thinking through the book is basically, like, you know, animals leave their young all the time to die and figure it out. And, yeah. you know, what's the difference between me and an animal? And I, mm-hmm. I need to act in certain ways to survive and I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. But to show the, the mom having this, like, psychological reaction to doing that and not really being able to like move forward on her life might be just like a way to paint humans differently than like the animal that Kaya thinks that she is. Like it's, it's a wild, a wild person doesn't have the like breakdown that her ma had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I don't know. You're right. It is definitely like trying to add some sympathy to the mother for that decision. Mm -hmm. Um, That's an interesting way to look at it though. Like it's more animalistic to sort of not be emotional about it. Yeah, right. It's just about survival, your yeah. own survival. Mm-hmm. And in this case, Ma's not really thinking about her own survival. She's thinking about like the things she regrets or yeah, left and what might not survive yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's so. That's sort of an interesting perspective on it. Um, but yeah. Anyways, um, great writing, great fucking. <laughs> anyway, so why are the book and the movie so similar? Well, uh, did the director or the screenwriter just not have any imagination, or? Well, I'm going to lay out a theory for you, Will. Okay. This book made Reese Witherspoon's book club. Uh, That's she, true. She then produced the movie, so uh, maybe she really liked this movie and decided, hey, we need to keep all of these good parts in it because yeah. she's a person who understands, or seemingly understands, like uh, storytelling and what people want from this book. Mm. She was just so absorbed by it that she wanted to make sure all of the goodness made it to uh, the big screen. That's fair. She seems like she's the representative for the South. Yeah. For Hollywood, right? Yeah. She, like, it feels like she only does, obviously she doesn't, but, like, it feels like she only does, like, Southern characters. She lives in Nashville, right? So that's... Is she? I assume she's from the South. I have no idea. I have no idea. But anyways. Uh, Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, another... Sweden, Alabama walk the line yeah i don't know if any mud that uh mud yeah i think you're right i think i like that as a thesis i can't think of another actress that would be like good at being southern like this yeah there's that um for it that gaslit show that's on stars that has julia roberts doing oh she's margaret mitchell who has like a big time southern accent oh does she but i'm trying to think of like any other actress that could i don't know reese witherspoon would be good as this character like yeah 15 years ago it's funny i was watching an interview this morning and it was like i really wanted to play this character like i love the book so much i really want to be this character but i'm a little too old yeah it's <laughs> kind of funny that's unfortunate uh, actually i think she'd be really good at this yeah she probably would she probably would be very good very um, similar vibes did you like daisy edgar jones i thought she was i thought she was good okay i don't know i wasn't like amazed a blown away or anything yeah she's a little She's a little like Felicity Jones to me, like a little wooden, like doll faced where there's mm. like no emotion. No real. That's like, kind of like the character that she has to play here. So yeah. She, yeah. I like her in Honor the Banner of Heaven. So maybe it's just like this character is a little tough to like evaluate mm-hmm. someone's acting skills because yeah, it's, yeah. it's just very internal and locked away. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's not, it's not very showy. You gotcha. Yeah. 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 Um, would you say that this adaptation was successful? 
uh i would say it is successful i think they 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 really figured out how to just make the book into a movie Mm -hmm. and probably satisfy everybody that really loved this book yeah what do you i mean you like the book did did you were you satisfied by the adaptation yeah honestly like there wasn't like any real glaring differences that were like, why the fuck do they do this? You know what I mean? There are things that obviously I would have enjoyed seeing more of in the, um, from the book that would have made it into the movie. But I mean, for the most part, it was kind of like cut and dry. Like, you know, I, I do, I will say that there are some things that the movie did better, but I, the, the movie didn't take any liberties. And sometimes I like that with adaptations where the movie just takes a, a little bit of a liberty down one direction. Um, that's like interesting and like wasn't explored in the mo- in the book, but they didn't really do that. Um, so it was, a lo- I always kind of look for that in adaptations. We do this so often, um, but that didn't really materialize here, but yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah. I think it helps that, you know, the, the narrative of like things occur and then there's a trial and there's a verdict. Like that's a way to end a movie basically yeah. is like, yeah. we have this ultimate decision, you know, did she kill him or not? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's your ending basically right like yeah. you can write to that very easily yeah um did we like the movie i thought it was fine i liked it i would like to encourage people if they're buying tickets to listen to that taylor swift song just to fire it up on spotify though i refuse just carolina spotify. it should have been casey musgraves i like the movie i i feel like the 36 is is not representative yes i feel like that is way low i agree um 50 maybe 60 i think maybe. in the in the bell curve of like movie quality it's in the middle yeah like there are movies that are much worse and there are movies yeah. that are much better yeah but this movie is like very much good enough to be good enough i, I kind of want to i'm interested in like bringing up the reviews um i might take a read through them later just to see like what their problems were with it um i'd be interesting to see any? no how, how many of them mentioned the like delia owens drama that oh, feels God. like that's a that's like a new thing that's come to light that was like the so we watched it monday night and there were you said there were only like 70 reviews on letterbox mm-hmm. and then you, i think i assume one of the first ones you saw was like read this article yeah right yeah someone someone shared a link to it and then people were just like oh i don't really fuck with delia owens her like white savior tendencies as a person it's eye like, roll okay well that, i mean roll. it's not the it's not the movie's fault yeah exactly. i don't know <laughs> um i think it's interesting that there are parallels between her story and this i mean yeah she's gonna do whatever she's gonna do like (laughs) curious have you read the article oh my god no um i was there i lived it but um okay cool so hot takes my hot take is when i tell you to dump the body in the mash you dump the body in the mash that's so good all right i kind of mentioned this earlier i tried to mention it earlier and you didn't bite i wanted to save it i wanted to save it (laughs) i mean it's a perfect opportunity to do it yeah can you insert that here yeah i will clip that okay and go you saw fits when i tell you to dump a body in the marsh you dump them in the marsh not where some guy from john hancock goes every thursday to get a fucking blow job don't laugh this ain't reality TV. Um, yeah, that's my hot take. And then my hot take is Daisy Edgar Jones will play a Disney princess at least once in her career. I'm calling it. Like the over under action. is the over under is point five, and she will do the over. She's like a your your quintessential Disney princess. 
is she not like innocent just like looks and like the way she's british right like classic disney princess <laughs> characteristic classic fucking classic oh cinderella i know things are changing cinderella you <laughs> left your shoe on the bottom that's okay i'll just take a lift uh, so oh sorry excuse me excuse cinderella. me cinderella i guess things are changing and we're becoming more diverse for these kinds of stories so maybe not but like how could she not dude she's like I've always called you the Little Mermaid. <laughs> it's not even a hot take. I feel like that's like a mild Prince Eric, like a Taco Bell, like medium sauce. I'm trying to take so I, I'm trying to think of like what princess she could be based on Snow White. Like what's available? Oh yeah, I did mention Snow White, right? It, this she sort of is playing Snow White here. Nice. That's a good one, dude. There's a lot of live action Snow Whites though. They Cinderella's did. blonde, right? Yeah, yeah. She, she could dye her like hair. She could, but like she could wear a wig. It's not that hard. Yeah, well, she did it to commit her murder. So that's a good point. <laughs> um, yeah, Snow White. The Kristen Stewart did ruin Snow White, though. Oh, uh, true. I just don't you know, all these dwarfs <laughs> make me comfortable. I don't know <laughs> why are they looking at me while I'm sleeping. I just <sighs> anyway. I never saw that one. That was so my Kristen Stewart impression. <laughs> okay, uh, move your book. Uh, and probably no surprise, I'm going movie. I'm going book. I mean. So you can't kill what's already dead. So <laughs> anything is better than the book. Um, any final thoughts? I didn't write anything here. So you go first. Well, I think my answer is nothing because I literally <laughs> read this book a little more than two years ago. And I remember not, no part of it. Um, only, I only remembered it once I watched, as I watched the movie, I was like, Oh yes, that's right. This yeah, is yeah. the story, but no. So I, I like literally, I can't have any remembrances because I already forgot all of it once. <laughs> You'll listen to this podcast and you'll be like, oh, I remember that now. Yeah. I don't even remember what <laughs> I, I said earlier. <laughs> My final thought is um, the disappointment that I had when Eric sent me. So Eric sent me a Kramer's post on like getting the book and getting a movie ticket at the same time, which I think is a great idea. Um, but <laughs> when I was when I was writing there, I was like, oh, it's probably going to be at like AMC Georgetown or like you know whatever in dc in dc yeah uh and it was in fucking tyson's which is obviously convenient for you that's where lithuland's hq is yes it's where we are currently but very inconvenient for me so i did all this work to go out of my way (laughs) watch this movie for this you're fucking (laughs) welcome is is my point i appreciate it (laughs) it's a a one for me one for you kind of situation yeah i guess that's fair that's how it works raw body quality yeah well, so. thank you for buying these. Well, I'm sorry that you had to thanks, buy two. <laughs> thanks for Vemoing me. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I I do think it's it's a, it's a good idea, but more bookstores should do this. I guess you have yeah. to get like tie into the AMC somehow or tie into yeah. like Columbia Pictures somehow. It did seem like after the screening they were doing, they were taking quotes for like marketing purposes. Yeah. Um, I didn't give any quotes. I don't think they would have used my <laughs> quotes. Our quotes are saved for this podcast. Yeah, if they they Columbia, can quote us from Columbia here. Pictures, we hereby allow you to use any of this for marketing. <laughs> Feel free. Uh, it was kind of interesting that they were doing that. Um, it was a cool idea. I mean, I, I think I do think this sh- there there should be more time. I mean, kind of the reason we made this podcast was because I f- yeah, I feel like the book and the movies are always so different. Either you read one or you or you watch it. Sort of like if you, obviously if you read it, you're probably gonna watch it. Um, and this is a big market for it, but it's like, why not tie it in more? Like, why not bring in movie goers to see the, you know, to read the book? 
or at least be somewhat invested to read it, right? Like, I don't know. I just think there's obviously it, it, they sold 50 copies. Like they sold out that whole show. Yeah. Right. Like that's a you're gonna make money doing that too. So. Not that Deli Owens needs any more money. Maybe to fight her. Yeah. Look, maybe for her legal fees. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Oh my <laughs> god. Could you, could you imagine? Um. But yeah, that's it for us. Um. On this episode, thank you for listening. Um. On where the crawdads sing by Deli Owens. Um. Check out our most recent episode. Uh. On Spiderhead, which is still on Netflix, I imagine. Um, did we get Miles Teller? No. Are we still working on it? Still working on it. Okay. So Eric has an has a potential in with Miles Teller. Miles Teller, if you're listening, we would love to have you on the podcast. Um, just don't listen to our episode. <laughs> we'll, delete it. It. we'll delete it. Um, so yeah, so keep uh, check it out. Check it out uh, on wherever you listen to podcasts, and keep an eye out for our next episode, which is on the Gray Man, starring Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans, as we continue our Hot Boy season. That's so, right. And then any shout outs? Shout out to uh, Ryan Gosling for potentially being miscast in The Gray Man. I guess we'll find out <laughs> next week. Yes, we absolutely will. Um, shout out Chris Evans. Because I don't actually know why I don't really like Chris Evans that much. but Oh, really? That's an interesting take. I feel like he'd be interesting in this movie. I feel like he he just kind of... You, you know what his best role was? Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> Shut your fucking mouth. It was... The, the jock in um not another teen movie did you know he was in that yeah i've seen that movie i love that movie yeah he plays such a funny like idiot yeah and now he's doing these like dumb action captain movies. america movies well he's done he's done the captain america now so yeah so this is why i'm like a little bit excited for this one because he's like actually flexing his acting muscles a little bit or like being more entertaining he's kind of bland to me yeah he's like a um He's like what Chris Pratt has become too. Like Chris Pratt was funny and hilarious and interesting, and now he's like doing Amazon science fiction movies that nobody watches. Yeah. And who's what was this? I always remember this article from The Ringer that was like the the four Chris's like who will be the best. It was yeah. like Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Chris Pine. Pratt, Chris Pine. That's another one. Yeah. He's what has he done recently? He hasn't done shit. Right? Not a lot. He was in Star Trek. Yep. He's in Wonder Woman's. Oh, that's right. Uh. Yeah. Oh, he I was in. It's... He was in um, uh, that bank robbery movie with Ben Foster. Oh yeah, Hell or High Water. Hell or High Water. That, that was, was good. good. That was like 2015. That was a while yeah. ago. I think like... I think Chris Hemsworth is probably my top Chris. Like acting wise, or like, or like just like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna buy stock in one of them, I would buy it in Chris Hemsworth. What would you have bought? Put your most stock in like whatever whenever this article came out like five years ago, whatever it was, ten years <sighs> ago. I think I put would have put it on Chris Pratt. Because he was so fucking funny. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. He was really funny. And now he's in a religious cult. Is he? Married to Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter. He's in a religious cult? Uh, it's not a cult. I mean. Is it Scientology? No, no, no. He's in, um, I don't know what it's called. But it's not like one of the normal religions. No, I think he's in like Justin Bieber's church. I'm, this is going to get us sued. <laughs> cut, cut all this. <laughs> I don't really know. I just know that he is, he's like very, he's much more religious now on, um, instagram oh that sucks so that is a really unfortunate chris pratt anyway so chris hemsworth it is for me <laughs> i think chris hemsworth has more range and he because he can be funny yeah he was funny in spiderhead but he's also a uh, macho man yeah we'll see i'll we'll see him see do what, something serious yeah i feel like my opinion might change after watching the green man next week maybe all the chris's are bad 
Is that a hot take anyone's had? Does no, none of those guys so. are good? That's my take. Damn, all right. Let's get rid of Chris. Chill out. No, no more <laughs> We're Chris's. trying to get them on the podcast. They all suck. <laughs> um, that's it for us. Thanks for listening. If you made it this far. See you next week. See you next week. Bye.